0: Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley Sermon Podcast. Today is the third Sunday in Lent, and the Reverend Phil Brochard is preaching from the lectionary, which was Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. As always, you can find more information or more sermons at allsoulsparish.org. obituaries most days for at least two reasons one is because in the distillation of someone's life you can catch a glimpse of their humanity what animated them who they loved what they lived for the other reason it uh, it lurks beneath the surface for me <laughs> When I read those notices, and it's, this reason's probably not quite as virtuous. And this one especially worms its way to the surface if the deceased was my age or younger. And that's to see why they died. I, I may be alone here. It sounds like maybe I'm not. But I actually don't think it's that unusual to read with some relief that the person who died took some risk that I don't or made a series of decisions that I wouldn't. And it's my sense that that this feeling is actually quite pervasive. And I suppose that underneath it all, we are deeply, deeply uncomfortable at the peril and the chance that lies before us. We want a reason for that person's death so that we can avoid their fate. And I believe that's some of what is behind the news that some of the followers of Jesus bring to him, that that some Galileans had been slaughtered by the ruthless Pontius Pilate. The language here in our gospel this morning is oddly euphemistic, that their blood had been mingled with their sacrifices. I don't want us to, to miss what's being said here. What we're being told is that some Galileans, were they zealots? Were they simply worshiping in the wrong place at the wrong time? Some Galileans were there at the temple offering ritual sacrifice, and they were killed by Pilate's soldiers. And their blood was spilled alongside the animals they brought to sacrifice. Now, I want us to remember that that many of those who were following this itinerant teacher, like Jesus, they were from the Galilee, this uh, kind of more remote region north of Jerusalem. And it's highly, highly likely that those Galileans who were killed were friends or were kin. And even if they didn't know them, it does not take much to see this as a, as a trauma response by those living under occupation. I can feel in my body part of what that might have felt like to bring this news to Jesus. And like he often does, Jesus seems to intuit Um, something beneath the surface. And he intuits in this case that they are seeking reassurance from him. As if he might pass judgment on the situation with something like, yep, they had it coming. If they'd only been more righteous, God would have spared them just like God is going to spare you. But that's not how God works, even if life would be simpler in some ways. No, in this text, Jesus severs any connection between God's activity and our mortality. Plainly put, God does not kill us because we have sinned. This is a falsehood that thousands of years later uh, you might hear over and over again that you or your child or your sibling did wrong. Wasn't faithful enough. Didn't pray hard enough. And so they were punished by God. Stop. Enough, says Jesus. The reason that there is suffering and pain, he says, is because we don't see each other the way God sees us. If we saw the world the way that God does, we would not be capable of hurting each other. And humans are not the only cause of trauma. Sometimes towers fall over and kill people. Sometimes tires blow out and suddenly there's a car coming at you head on. Sometimes cells mutate and cancers grow in the recesses of our bodies. Faced with this reality and with what can feel like the senselessness of it, it is entirely human to ask, why? does this happen This is what Jesus's followers are asking They ask Jesus why must people die And instead he tells them how to live And he does this in a way that is not very touchy-feely Don't get me wrong. Jesus is all about love. And not everything Jesus says is going to be cross-stitched one day. (laughs) Because he assures the disciples of something that they and we don't often want to hear. That yes, we are going to perish. And that's why We all need to repent. Don't let ourselves off the hook when we're reading those obits because we didn't make those decisions. Because that realization of the finitude of existence could be our opportunity to turn around and to see the world through God's eyes and then to reform or to return our life in that direction. We're to see the world as God sees it. For we are all going to die. But how are we going to live? And to make sure we grasp this truth, Jesus throws another story alongside it. It's the story about the owner of a vineyard who comes looking for fruit on his fig tree and once again is disappointed because there is no fruit. So in his frustration, he tells the vineyard manager to cut it down so that the soil can bear fruit of some kind. The vineyard manager asks for one more try, this time uh, with fertilizer to amend the soil, And if this attempt to bear fruit fails, then we can cut it down. Now, if parables are supposed to unsettle us and have us look at the world in a different way, what's being asked of us this morning as we consider the fate of the fig tree? I wonder if Jesus is attempting to reframe the next question that often comes up when we sever the link from the deeds we do from the wrath of God. Because if the goal isn't to do nice things in order to not die, then what is the point of doing nice things? And the point for Jesus is that each of us had been made to bear fruit. Existence for its own sake is not the purpose of life. The purpose of life is to bear fruit, fruit from seeing the world as God sees it. And we're not doing it. And we're supposed to do this not just on our our deathbed, but right now, as in this morning. And it's made me wonder this past week, as I've been thinking about the to-do list that Maggie talked about last week, where in my life have I not been bearing fruit, maybe for years, Where have I been looking the other way, spending my attention in ways that are ultimately fruitless? What amendments are needed to nourish my roots? I've been thinking of uh, friendships that have gone untended. I've been thinking of resources that I have hoarded. I've been thinking of familial relationships left to wither. And so I don't want us to miss the urgency of this parable. I don't want us to let go of Jesus' warning that there is but one more proverbial year. Because it's this urgency that often gives us the catalytic energy needed to change. Friends, God does not want us to die. But God does want us to reform to return. God wants us to bear the fruits of compassion and forgiveness and truth and liberation, not just for our own sakes, but for a world in desperate need of them. And so the question that he asked his students thousands of years ago is the same stark question that he asks us today. We are all going to die, but how are we going to live?